0: You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to gncast.com. We are the answers
1: else nerds a production of galactic network i'm gregor sprague and joining me is Corey scott and before we get started just let you know that you could find all of these show of uh, all this stuff on the show including show notes and subscription links over at else and for all the other galactic network programs you can go to gncasts.com and on else nerds, we will swear we tend to swear and shoot our mouths off without thinking so we will spoil things and of course we will swear um, you have been warned, Corey. I have how a you feeling doing?
0: that some of the episodes are just me just screaming one long swear word.
1: Yeah, if it were to air in Comedy Central, just be. Beep. I mean, it's if we're going on the fact
0: of like we we do this when we're not thinking. I'm never thinking when I'm on the air.
1: Same here. Uh, I think I my heart just stops. It. Yeah, I thought about it the other day, and I'm like, you know, I swear a lot on that show. I don't really swear anywhere else. No, except church. No, I'm joking. I don't swear at church. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Jesus was balls
0: out, right? What?
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. So, so Corey, how you doing, sir? How's your week, been?
0: I, I don't have a prepared statement. Uh, I, I just, I want you to know that I had very little to do with the hack of the now president of France. Um, but if you received an invitation from me for Duke Google Docs, go ahead and click it.
1: God, I love those things. So that, that's why we were we were late, is you were finishing up the code on that on your new Google. Doc, I, I was just right? sending
0: out mass emails left and right. Yeah.
1: You could okay, so let's jump right into the news. And the first bit of news is that Edge of Tomorrow 2 is in development and has a title. I don't know why I put has a show title because <laughs> it has it, it has a name. And actually I don't know if you if you realize this or if the viewers or listeners of the show realize this Edge of Tomorrow just in the naming department has a very interesting story. It was originally going to be called um, what is it? Uh, Live and Let Kill, um, based off of the comic book that it was that this is uh, sourced from, um, or no, sorry, all you need is Kill, which is same from the source material, same from the comic book, and then they eventually settled on um, Edge of Tomorrow for the movie theaters, but they're they're thinking that the
0: that the title was what didn't draw people into the movie. They're both kind of generic James Bond-ish sounding titles, which is not yeah. a bad thing at all. I, if, if you could just get paid to come up with James Bond movie titles, uh, which are usually based off of the the Fleming novels, but that that's not a bad way to to make cash. It's like coming up with with your favorite porn names um, based off of the street that you lived on, and uh, I don't know, your first pet's name, uh, which is mine, is Danky McBottom Stuffins. But... What I, I do think is what happened is not so much that they changed the name because they thought the ma- the name hurt it. I think it was that they didn't want people to recognize that it was the same movie that tanked at the box yeah. office because it undersold in theaters, but it was actually a pretty damn good movie when all was said and done.
1: Yeah. And so the... And then eventually when it came out on Blu-ray and on uh, Video On Demand it it was titled live
0: die repeat which does now, seem to play off of what the story is about a little bit better than both the other titles yeah it's and it, it's it's not
1: okay i shouldn't say that it is titled it's the box art is in big like it's the like it's a movie poster live die repeat you know like boom 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 right below it so the sequel to the movie is live die repeat and repeats and which would be a good—it's—it'd be a good—it's a good title. I like that. I like the the two because yes, all you need is kill and or and then um, edge of tomorrow do sound a little—they just a, don't a little
0: generic. The they just don't describe the film in yeah. any significant way. And if if you asked me but after the, seeing this movie and enjoying this movie what the title of it was or what the original title what of it was i wouldn't be able to come up with it it's yeah. just so generic
1: yeah the um but the interesting part is that and this is a rarity where we had to narrow it down from one article about a guy but Doug Lyman the director of the first movie is on um it, it was doing an interview about the about the movie the wall where he talked about a whole bunch of other things um like leaving the gambit movie leave uh you know the, his status for um the new justice league uh dark movie for the dc expanded universe um and then they got to talk about this and he's he is excited about this because of the fact that you know it looks like tom cruise is going to be coming back um it, it is ready to do it um emily blunt is ready as well It's just a matter of of when.
0: Right. How do they get together? Because Cruise Cruise is usually pretty busy. He's got several different uh, franchises franchises that he's working on, although I don't know if we're going to get another Jack Reacher after the second one Um, did not do well and honestly wasn't nearly as good as the first one. Uh, it felt like a TV movie, uh, and he's got the the Mummy film coming out, the The Universal films that may cross over with the Universal Monsters. Uh, Emily Blunt is doing Mary Poppins Returns right now. Uh, so there's there's plenty of things coming uh, up from both of Impossible. them. Tom Cruise. Yeah, Mission Impossible, which is still Cruise's, I think, most successful franchise at this point. I would like to see this one get to that point. I, I would certainly like to see the third one live, die, repeat, and repeat, and a finishing rinse, uh, because that's what you do. <laughs> it, it's just... Uh, third movie is, we've got curlers in our hair. Uh, how long until this perm sets? I, I just... I hope that it all comes together, because... But I also feel like this movie doesn't necessarily need a sequel. It, it was a really well-done film that told a great story that had that kind of Groundhog's Day-esque effect in it, um, not to give too much away about the film, although we spoil, uh, that seeing a sequel, it's like picture a sequel of a Groundhog's Day movie where, where everything keeps repeating and it's already like, I can't believe that I've enjoyed this film so many times when it's kind of the same thing over and over and over again. It's really based on how entertaining the cast is. What did what do they bring us for the next one, and then what do they bring us for the one after that? It, it's a little. You could just let it be great, but I think they're trying to prove something. I feel like they're they're trying to do a second one, just because the first one didn't do well in the theater, but then it did much better on video on demand and Blu-ray, and I'm not sure if that's exactly. Like I don't know.
1: So I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw the. Uh, the name of the fourth movie in the uh, <laughs> in the Edge of Tomorrow series and this is coming from Carrie uh, Rudens who's in our chat, live, die, repeat and repeat and happy ending
0: me love you, you long time <laughs> it's uh, it's not going to get any better than that I mean obviously that was a private film just from Tom to John Travolta but you know, whatever
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean i am i i haven't i'm not gonna lie i haven't seen um edge of tomorrow it was one that you know caught my caught my eye caught my curiosity but never was enough to be okay i'm going in i'm gonna you know dive into this movie Sort will you know watch it or whatever
0: um, and I, I, think I only really watched it because I was seeing all of the the hype post fact. I was seeing people who are like, I don't know why this movie didn't do very well. It was so good. And then I'd be like, Well, did you go see it in the theater? Oh no, no. Well, then you're you're part of the fucking problem, Brad. You're uh, the problem. I don't know if Brad actually saw it in the theater or not, but I remember he was one of the people who ranted about it so much that I felt like I should watch it. Uh, and I, we know I'm it's even though I'm on Galactic networks, I'm not the biggest sci-fi guy in the world, but this is a, this is a fun movie that I think does everything right. I I think Tom Cruise, uh, while not the be all end all star to me is infinitely entertaining. If nothing else, especially in the right role, he can be a lot of fun. Uh, he's got a great amount of charm. I mean, that's why he is where he is uh, or where he is, has been where he's been. Um, Emily Blunt is, tremendous and is so badass in this. And I think this is another reason why people were really hoping that she was going to land the captain Marvel role or any of the, the Marvel or DC superhero roles. Uh, Cause she, after you see this, you feel like she's kind of fucking made for it. It, it, it hits all the right notes. I think for what it, what it did. Um, the only thing is that people didn't pay to go see it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be changed with a sequel. I don't know that if it failed in the box office the first time, even if people have warmed to it after the fact, I don't know if that means that they're suddenly going to go and see it again, or they're just going to say, well, the last time I had a great experience watching at home and I can do that again. All the entertainment, no pants.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's just, instead of repeating this story, let's move on to the next one. Oh, I um, thought we were just going to
0: do this one over again.
1: <laughs> um, the next one is Game of Thrones spinoffs are in the works at HBO. I am of... Two, the initial reaction from this, I am of two minds. One is no duh. The other one is oh shit. Um, the no duh because, well, yeah, duh, of course it would. Because, you know, it's HBO. Let's milk this fucking cash cow. Um And... Then you have, but I mean, the, the four writers that are attached right now are Max Borstein, who uh wrote Kong Skull Island, Jane Goldman, who wrote uh Kingsman the Golden Circle, which the trailer looks so good, um, Brian uh, Helgeland, who wrote Legend, and Carly Ray, who wrote um, and not Jepson. Maybe no, no, I knew you were gonna do it. Um, wrote uh, Mad Men and the Left Leftovers, and Goldman and Ray will each be working on, or working with, working individually with novelist and Game of Thrones creator George R. R. Martin.
0: So four more goddamn things to get in the way of him writing the fucking books. Endings.
1: <sighs> yeah, it's. <laughs> and I don't read it's, the books. It's one of those like I mean it's, I've heard people talk about this before, and it does make sense. You know to build this because you know, you know we wouldn't have Frasier without Cheers. We wouldn't have Joey without yep. Friends. Bad example. We wouldn't right have exactly. Mork-
0: Jody loves Chachi without Happy Days. It, it, or Mork and Mindy. Or Laverne we, and we we're trying to figure this out over lunch. If, if there was as many spinoffs of Happy Days as there turns out to, they're trying to do for this. Now uh, I remembered Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy. Uh, Joni Loves Chachi, and then there was the animated series of Happy Days, which I don't know if that necessarily counts, but that would be four. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm I, still with Game of Thrones because I want to see it get to the end. And I think Game of Thrones is a phenomenon in and of itself. It is a well-written, incredibly well-acted, well-crafted show, and I am still enjoying it despite certain points where I feel like it may be a little much, and it's certainly gone long. But it's kind of like trying to expand on what is a great thing and then having diminishing returns with the spinoffs. Like the Fear of the Walking Dead show did not enhance or improve my experience with The Walking Dead. I feel like no. it just kind of made me feel even more like I've had enough of The Walking Dead. Yep. Uh, and and if they plan these, sh- these shows after the series is done, that may be a little bit better. But they tried to introduce it in the last season or two uh, any of these spinoffs, I, I think it might just be like, I've had too much of this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am, I am overflowing with the bullshit that is Daenerys and her dragons and, and, and everybody else. I, I, Jon Snow knows nothing. I think Jon Snow knows not to spin off for fucking shows from this one. Uh, you don't milk the golden calf until it's bone dry.
1: It's yeah. It's you actually brought up the what I was going to bring up with Fear the Walking Dead, because I felt like fear. Fear brought nothing to the whole Walking Dead universe. Now, granted, I didn't. I watched the. Did I watch all the pilot? I think I watched all the pilot and then a little bit of the second episode, and I was like, like f this, I'm gone. Um, sort of thing. And, and i agree with you and and there, it does say that there um who was it a spokesman a spokesperson said uh, we'll take as much or as little time as the writers need and as with all of our de- all our development we will evaluate what we have when the scripts are in so it doesn't sound like oh let's hurry up and get all these all these shows like up to script so we can get them in there um it's
0: it's four and, different tries to make a spinoff. Yeah. It, yeah. It's,
1: you know, like, like, let's see, because, you know, I mean, I could see a Lord of the Rings TV show, a, you know, or even another movie, because there's enough material from the extended universe there in, in, in J.R.R. Tolkien's world that he created.
0: That to Shadow of it. Mordor video game yeah. that they did a few years ago. yeah exactly there's there's this whole world and 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 these creatures and and things that you feel like you would want to be a part of that you'd want to interact with it's a little different because it's a video game but i i completely agree yeah but you don't hear people talk about the books outside of the hobbit and the lord of the rings like the the other series that he did at nearly as much as you do those yeah uh and and i feel like like I thought, it would be very interesting. One of the the coolest parts of Game of Thrones to me so far has been the a girl has no name uh, assassins, people, the faceless that like were training Arya, and and that whole bit was really cool. And I felt like we didn't go deep enough into it for what I would have liked. But do I want to see that developed without Arya Stark, for instance?
1: And yeah. And I mean, the the point I was getting at with it is, you know, because like, like there's a lot of stuff with Lord of the Rings, um, uh, JK Rowling is, or Rowling is constantly doing stuff for, uh, you know, expanding the Harry Potter universe. There's what fucking thousands of books, thousands of comic books that are considered no longer canon in Star Wars.
0: Right. And, and, and that's.
1: And so it's like we have material for Game of Thrones. Like there's, there's, I think there was a history book that someone wrote that George R. R. Martin's like, I approve <laughs> and, that you could pull stuff from.
0: Yeah. It, but it, when you're talking about the amount of dedication to watch just the series itself, uh, my wife the other day was like, I, we need to buy Game of Thrones so that I can w- rewatch the series again and 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 kind of like see where everything started all over. And I'm like, we don't have to buy shit. She's like, well, why not? I said because it's it's on HBO. We we have H- We subscribe to HBO, so you can watch whatever the fuck HBO has. Their own shows specifically, you can watch all that. She's like, I can watch it now. I'm like, yeah, goddamn it. Um, <laughs> but the the whole idea of going through this all over again is just so daunting to me. Yeah. And and even even just like if someone like after I was halfway through Lost and and I'm I'm feeling like Lost has stumbled a little bit for one, but just in general like I'm in the middle of Lost and then other shows are coming out and they're being like touted as the next Lost. I don't want another fucking Lost. Mm-hmm. I am spent with my Lost fixation. I I'm already being used up by the show itself. And once the show is done, I need a fucking break from that shit. I don't need the next anything. I need something new to grab my attention. I am a little fickle. I, I may be a little bit like fucking something shiny over there. Distract me. I'm okay with that. But more of the same if you've already gone through and you you feel that final... Like weight off your chest of like, oh, okay, now I know, I finally know how it ends. I finally know who gets the throne. I, I know who lives, and and it ain't gonna be a lot of people. I I'm pretty sure of that. You you need that moment of breathing, yeah, back and to say, and here's our next series with more of this world. It's like no 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 no. I need a refractory period, man. Uh, you need to you need to step off. Okay, and and let Mama get a rest. All right, that that's how I'm talking. Yeah, I mean it's, <laughs> but I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. Yeah. There, there's certainly there's certainly enough things out there that showed that success can happen. But by the time they got to their third CSI, we knew they fucked up CSI. Yeah. But by the time they they go past two NCISs, they've already pushed their fucking limits. Uh, and and criminal intent can't get a spin off to work. I just, you really need to be careful. Yeah. But it's not like they're going to make less money from it because they, they've already made all the money that Game of Thrones is making. So they put out a little bit more and maybe it doesn't have the success that the previous one did. But if it's any kind of success, it's that's just extra. That's just gravy.
1: No, yeah, definitely. I mean, it is, it's, it's, I, I think if the stories are good, then. Then okay yeah sure, but I, I do agree with you the whole, you know refractory period thing because where, and you know you just take a drink but take another drink because I'm gonna mention the newsroom and like how I'm like okay I really feel like they could do another season of the newsroom, with what with the shit that's been going on now and in the you know false news and all that stuff.
0: Oh, it but would be, it's ripe for that. And the newsroom was yeah. so short and we felt kind of like it ended too soon anyways. Uh, now that they're bringing back um, Deadwood on HBO, yeah. they're bringing back Twin Peaks like the, the return of these things because they're beloved and because we felt like we didn't get all we needed out of it. Uh, the, when they bring back X Files, would maybe we did get all we needed out of X Files, but it's still kind of cool to see it come back after a period of time. I get that, I totally appreciate that sort of thing. I, I just <sighs> So much it's, of Game of Thrones is the love of the characters, is the love of the actors. If if it's not going to have Peter Dinklage, I'm not sure how well it's going to do. If it doesn't have Jon Snow and Arya and Daenerys and these characters, I don't know how well it's going to do because we already know that we've lost characters that we liked, but we haven't had that. I love this character too often. Every once in a while, there's one that you feel like, oh, this could be my one true. Oh, nope, dead. Uh oh, god, his face just crushed under by the fucking mountain. Shit. Um, if on the other hand they do a sh- cartoon about the direwolves called "All Direwolves Go to Heaven," I'm fucking into that.
1: <laughs> but but like I was saying with the newsroom thing, like it took a year before, like a year or two before I I I rewatched it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like when i when i watched it you know week to week i was like okay yes this is cool this is cool i'm enjoying the show but you you know you're right it, it did it take that refractory period before i'm like all right what's next what's what's aaron sorkin working on oh he's working on a steve jobs movie oh he's i think the social network was right around this time too or before this it's like all right okay go to the next thing and all that but that was the point i was trying to make but yeah i don't know. I mean. I like, I am a Game of Thrones fan, but I'm also a Walking Dead fan, and we, we hit it. Fear of the Walking Dead does not interest me at all. I mean, yeah. I've I had more interest out of the 15 second a week um, shorts that they do with like passages and Flight 92. And, the online know, those, stuff. The, well, yeah, the online stuff that they then throw in to the commercial breaks like Mm -hmm. i i have more i like that more than i like anything else with fear of the walking dead and it's like all right yeah let's like maybe that's your market for
0: fear but the the famous quote is always leave them wanting more and i feel like when you forget to do that um the audience eventually turns on you you have to know how long something is going to be good and do just to that point or maybe even just under it because then people will look at you on the long term with with a greater appreciation than if you just overstayed your welcome.
1: It's um, I'm going to emphasize that same thing with um, Graham Lineham, the guy who created The IT Crowd, Uh, one of my favorite British comedies of all time, False Stop, period. Um, He talked about the, you know, they had done four seasons and there were in talks, there was talks of them doing a fifth. And he said, you know, we're going to, this next thing is going to be the last thing we do. And it ended up being, you know, the 90 minute, uh, you know, special, but, you know, because he didn't, he didn't want to run into the zombie TV show thing, which is, you know, like other show, other comedies that were on at that time sort of fell into that track. The yep. Simpsons have has fallen into that track numerous times. It's been a zombie show for you know 10 years, I'd say.
0: Really? I mean, if only I could find a podcast that discusses the post-classic episodes of The Simpsons to rate the worst one. Where could I find that? Worst episode ever, wepodcast.com. Hey, look at that.
1: I was like, wait, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? He's going rogue. <laughs> Oh uh, but no, uh, so I mean I don't know. Take that for real Our final news story for the night before we get into else views and else words is there we got this like Corey brought this up like not like a half hour ago. This is so like breaking news. It's almost like we're we're actual reporters. Tasty uh, fresh. Yes. So fresh- finally
0: we got something ahead of you, current geek. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yay! Thank you. Uh, but no, it's the Hellboy. There's a Hellboy reboot in the works with Stranger Things and Newsroom star, David Harbour. Um, the this is coming to us from the Hollywood Reporter, and was confirmed on Mike Manola's Facebook account, which neither one of us could look at because Facebook wants. I
0: I I was able to get back on finally, and I saw, and that's what allowed me to to say go ahead with the story, is because mike being the creator of hellboy i'm like okay if he says it's real then it's real
1: yeah so for those of you guys who do not know uh hellboy started out in 1993 as an indie comic um that told or indie comic hit i believe started at dark horse right it was always been at dark horse yeah um and it told it was it was told this story of a demon being raised by a professor that works to fight the supernatural evildoers for an organization called the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Um, it later went on to become a movie in, um, that was released by Sony in two- 2004, directed and co-written by Benicio, er, sorry Guillermo del Toro. Um, and the movie made about $60 million um, domestically and then $40 million um, internationally. And then, and then this was the era before, or there's something in here, and it was budgeted for sixty six million. And then they made the second one through Universal, um, with the same team, with Ron Perlman being, um, being the one who was playing Hellboy. Um, and it, you know, in the article talks about how you know its box office mojo was cut short when The Dark Knight open six days after it so yeah um
0: and so here's here's, well let's first of all let's I don't I don't want to spill my tea on me because I I gotta get through this whole show but I would like to uh figuratively I'll, I'll use my empty Jones soda bottle with my my character on it uh pour one out for del toro uh who has gotten two stories where someone else has taken over the shit that he's been working on for a long time. Uh, so Doug Lyman, we, we mentioned earlier, is going to be doing the Justice League Dark movie. Del Toro was working on that for a long, long development hell time. And the Hellboy series uh, that he's he's been pushing as hard as he could to get that third one made for years, and he and Ron Perlman have both been like, yeah, it's going to happen oh, no, it's not going to happen now. Okay, we're going to try to get it to happen again, and it still hasn't happened. To just get fucking dicked by, like, it was just about a month or two ago that we got the official, no, it's really not going to happen anymore. And now a whole different team is coming in to do Hellboy, I'm sure yeah. in a much less expensive way. And I'm, I'm certainly glad to see a Hellboy movie getting made, and I'm definitely happy for for Mike who is an incredible creator and I love seeing the love of his character um, keep paying off for him. And I certainly have nothing against David Harbour at all, who will probably do a very good job. It's just, it's such a bummer because the the first two Hellboy movies, especially the second one are really, really good. Yeah, they're really good. There are that second movie is so exactly what I think most fans of the character and of the comics want to see in a Hellboy film and they're just they play off the imagination of del Toro so much uh Perlman's uh charisma he just fucking oozes it as the character he just he knows how to play this character it it when we heard Hellboy and his voice started coming out of that it just made total sense and they did the the couple animated films as well uh with the cast it was so great to see all this happen. It, it is kind of crushing to to lose that. Flip side is, but we are getting another Hellboy movie.
1: Yeah, so l- let me give you some of the details before I sort of pick apart at what Beat said here in our producer's chat. Um, Neil Marsh, the horror director who broke out with The Descent and won, uh, and won Raves for his work on Game of Thrones, is in talk to direct the project, which has a working title of Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen, and has a script by Andrew Cosby, uh, Christopher Golden, and Hellboy creator himself, Mark or Mike Mcnola
0: Yeah, and uh, Christopher Golden has written a lot of Hellboy stuff uh, and, and written with Mike. Uh, I think he's done novelizations of Hellboy as yeah. well.
1: So I'm going to pick apart what Beaton just said here, that Hellboy 2 was one of the rare cases of a sequel being at least as good as the first one, if not better, and that he loved it. I agree with that sentence, but rare case, a lot of movies, the sequel is better than the first.
0: There are the big examples where that's true. And then there are the examples where that's really not the case. Uh, Most people would argue Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is one of the lowball Nightmare on Elm Streets. I like it. Uh, I don't have a problem with the the gay undertones, but a lot of people argue that one... uh, it's Freddy when he's not being uh, funny. Uh, he's yeah. he's still it's super violent, scary shit. And and two, it just it was like the next film in a movie that wasn't necessarily going to be a series. Um, for every Empire Strikes Back, there is plenty of other films where the sequels just kind of didn't help. So
1: here here's I can name, I think I can name like five maybe more. Dark Knight, Spider Man Two, the original Spider Man Two,
0: original Spider Man Two, absolutely the best of that trilogy. Um, um,
1: Guardians Two, I will put Guardians Two on there. It is better than Guardians. Um, and I know you haven't seen it, so I won't. I won't do that. Empire Strikes Back, as Evan pointed out. Civil and... War,
0: not sorry, sir, not Civil War. Winter Soldier, Winter,
1: Winter Soldier, yep, Winter Soldier. I can throw that in there. But Avengers
0: Two versus Avengers One.
1: No, well, eh. Iron
0: They're Man from- Two versus Iron Man One, Thor Two, Thor One are kind of the same. Uh, yeah. It's 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 it. You can see that it's it's not always it's not it, it always does, easy to recapture fall, that magic.
1: Yeah, it, it does fall apart when when you look at it in that way. And I you know I would I do say, but it's like to say it is a rare case. I don't think it's a rare case. I think a lot
0: of especially trilogies, like Sister Act Two. Another stickout. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of cases where movies have had sequels and they should not have had sequels. And yeah. and, and, and um, uh, Legally Blonde 2. It, there's, there's a lot of cases. I think we take those movies out of our vocabulary because why the fuck am I going to bring up those films? They're all shit. Uh, but they were movies that were successful enough in the first one to have a sequel, and then they said, but the sequel... Fuck it all, you know. Just cut the check and run to fucking the Bahamas. That's all you got to do. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think beats. I think beats more right on this than than what you uh, are saying. But
1: still, it's like to say that it was. I was like, wait a minute. But there are these mo- of all these movies,
0: absolutely, and those are-, are the ones that we think of as they they are the exception to the rule. They are more successful because they go against the grain of how often that is the case.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. Whatever. Consider this a young man's uh, crying foul of what you've of what the older folks are saying here. Um, <laughs> I just called you guys old. But uh, so, I mean, I I'm, I'm honestly excited about this because I've, you know.
0: When I kick your ass later, to- you'll have to let me know if you if you enjoy me kicking your ass the first time as much or better than me kicking your ass the second time
1: i i would have to say i probably would enjoy the sequel yeah you will (laughs) um but no so i mean all in all i like the movie see this is a rare thing where as a comic book fan and again i I know so i i hear it right now of course you don't gotta say it but i haven't read much uh hellboy
0: no and and i i I can understand that. I mean, one, you, like you mentioned, it's it started out in 93. Two, Hellboy doesn't have a... The storylines kind of jump around a little bit. And yeah. at one point, Hellboy himself kind of disappeared. And so you were getting the BPRD books. You were getting uh, the amazing Screwtop Head. You were getting a lot of other characters in that universe who were having series. Because Mike has his hand so heavily in all of them, and it's hard for Mike to do all that stuff. So he, he started picking teams... To, to tell stories that he was still a part of, um, but wasn't fully in charge of doing, and especially as he developed things, uh, a relationship with Hollywood, and he worked on things like the Atlantis uh, Disney movie. So, yeah, it makes sense because of how when it started. Uh, how are you? How old were you? Ninety-three. Four. Right. Uh, probably not going to. There. There was no picture book. For you, of little Hellboy, yeah, fights crime in 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 recess. I it's just I get that, but when you have all the free time in the world, uh, it's it's definitely worth reading. Yeah,
1: Some no, really definitely, and and I think that's a lot of the part that I wish would happen is that there would be more Hellboy stuff, because the last one and I seem to have missed it, but the last one that was out at dark horse i believe was hellboy in hell and it's like 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 it like where it's just hellboy not ape sapien not the bprd not you know this ancillary character but hellboy himself That's and all that now beats asking another good question of who do you accept fuck you beat honestly just fuck you uh, who do you accept as a successor to the rot or to the to to ron perlman um, and he said, "Please don't, don't be the Rock." Um,
0: I, think, As a I think the successor in what regard? The Rock is too
1: big. Yeah, I, I think the Rock is too big in a physical sense to be Hellboy. Um,
0: I'm, I, do you, are you asking me not in Hellboy sense, but in like Ron Perlman's legacy of the kind of actor and the kind of character actor and stuff that he is—the the person that you kind of root for, even though he plays a bad guy. Um, that he he's done so many different parts. Where for the first several years, it was almost like you never recognized him in things because he was playing behind so much makeup, like the Beauty and the Beast series on CBS or any other number he, of things.
1: He, he, no, he's just saying no, just taking over the role,
0: and just I, taking over I, the role of Hellboy? I I can't I can't say that. I can't say who's going to be good at it. I I think David Harbour could be a very good choice, but he's got fucking big shoes to fill in this. Yeah. But at the same
1: time, wasn't that said of anyone who's played Batman?
0: Uh not after Clinton.
1: Yeah. But I mean, like or, or James Bond. Or you know, you, you, you could name any of these of of these big popular characters. You and gotta look for like, your
0: palate cleansers. So with James Bond, it's like okay, yeah, uh, here's some George Lazenby to make the next guy who comes across palatable. Uh, okay, so you you've been dealing with Roger Moore for the last few years. We're gonna we're gonna give you a, a couple with uh, Timothy what's his fuck, and and then we'll bam. Then we give you Pierce Brosnan. It, it's just it, it sort of depends. Everybody's gonna have their favorites. Uh, but this it it's kind of like the the young. Not young Indiana Jones, although I, I maybe is a little bit that, but I get that a little bit more. But the young Han Solo yeah. uh, and, and young Lando and everything. I love me some fucking Donald Glover. And I am super excited that Donald Glover got picked to play young Lando. But in my lifetime, did I ever actually need a young Lando, a young Han Solo that wasn't the original people? No. I do not need a young Han Solo movie because it's not Harrison Ford and Harrison Ford is Han Solo to me. He always has been. Nobody else needed to play that role. That's a money grab. I don't hate it, but I don't fucking need it either. I wasn't asking for it. There's like we said, there's so much Star Wars universe to explore. You can do that. So it feels a little shitty to me. I know. I know Harrison doesn't give a fuck. Um but I, I don't think that was necessary. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, then I don't know anything about the guy who's playing Han, but the guy they picked to play Lando fucking aces. Sure. Yeah. Totally get that. But he's going to spend the entire movie at any time he's ever playing this character being compared to Billy Dee Williams, you know, and, and he could even be a far superior version but he's still gonna be compared, fairly or not, to Billy D because Billy D was Lando.
1: Yeah. And I honestly think David Harbour is gonna be a good, a good, you know, choice to if, if they if they can't do Ron Perlman, then he, he he'll be a good choice. Um and all that. Um and, and if I can't pick the rock, God be... I wasn't gonna pick the rock anyways. I'm like, no, he's he like I said, he's too big. He's too fucking massive to be Hellboy. I mean, the right hand of Doom would just be a boulder. You know.
0: But there is something to the the big guy who can be self-defacing, who can be who can accept the fact that he's not always going to win. You know, it's like yeah. I'm I'm huge and I'm a badass. And there were so many things where it's like with a huge badass also never fails. Yeah, You want to see someone who can handle the failure. You want to see someone who can play down on his luck. And and The Rock has done very well by being self-defacing at points where it needs to be. Uh, not all the time, but there's certainly points where he, he can do that. Uh, and I, I don't have a problem in that regard to him in the comparison, but he's not who I would choose. Yeah, And I think another part of it is that Ron Perlman has been able to hide behind makeup. Not, not saying like he's not putting himself out there, but I'm saying is you can see him in so many different things. And he for was, a long time, not even registered that it was him.
1: Yeah. Like, like before, before, uh, Hellboy, And I remember because I have the DVD and that's what they talked about. He was in a live action beauty and the beast where he played the beast. Right. Yeah. And all that.
0: And, and, and so things here- like, uh, the name of the Rose where he, I think he speaks Latin the whole time or maybe French or something. Uh, it's just so many different things that I've seen him in where it's like when he Hellboy happened. Yes. He was, he was dressed up as Hellboy. They, they did fantastic prosthetics and everything. And they made him look like the character straight out of the comic. But I also felt like it was the first time I knew who Ron Perlman was. Yeah. You know, on, on screen and, and, I really love that about him. And we've seen him kind of get to break out after that even more um, in roles like the one of the villains in Blade 2 or in uh, what was the one with the giant Pacific Rim? I think he yeah. was in that. Just like yeah. anytime you see Ron Perlman, you're like, fucking Ron Perlman. It's like seeing Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell probably wouldn't have been a bad Hellboy.
1: Yeah. What about John
0: Hamm? Um, John Hamm, I think, could do it. Yeah, uh,
1: grow, I'm assuming it's Growly Bear, uh, Growly Bear, and uh, uh, Carrie uh, Rutens in our chatter are the same person, I think. Um,
0: no, Growly Bear is different.
1: Oh, okay. So Carrie is uh, pointed out and all that, but I mean, I don't, I don't know, because I'm with this. I'm a little bit more horrible at cat at making casting choices with us. Like, cause I was thinking, well, what about the uh, the Summer Blair character? Then I'm like, well, no, you can get Aubrey Plaza. And I'm like, all right, you know, fuck it, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, it is cool to see that Mike Magnola is involved because the because I mean I I think those those look those movies look tend to look the best or shows look the best when the creator is involved.
0: Yeah, it, as opposed to people who say, well, what I'd really like to do yeah. is, is uh, see Hellboy break Abe Sapien's neck. You know, yeah. just just throwing it out there. I'm yeah, just <laughs> saying. Uh, maybe, maybe at some point we have the professor, but we don't actually call him the professor, and then we just have him get shot randomly because uh, he, he's hanging out in the fucking Middle East somewhere. Yeah, just saying. It kind of works a little bit if you're a comic not fan.
1: Um, But no, so I think that's going to do it for the news and we will be right back.
0: If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com slash support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link. Make a purchase and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com slash support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast.
1: And we are back, and it is time for the Else Views. This is the part of the show where I bring you a couple of things because Corey didn't bring anything for it, um, but where we talk about the TV show. on
0: my balls, you can eat.
1: No, nah, nah, I've had enough nuts today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I have a couple of TV shows that I'm going to talk about here. Um, the first one is a TV show that I love but also hate at the same time. Um. Not like hate, like it's it's horrible, but hate in this is something that they had on the show before, and then they took and then they took it away, and now they gave it to a white guy. Um, and that the show is called Problematic with Moshe Kasher, and, um, the, I'm comparing it because it seems a lot like the discussion topics that they had on on uh, the nightly show with Larry Wilmore, and it was one of those like. And like they're because they're tackling a lot of the same, um, or a lot of the same issues in the, in the, like the, they've had three episodes, and it's one of those shows where they're tackling these things. Like the first one was cultural appropriation, where they had on uh, Kenya Barris, the creator of Blackish on ABC, and they were talking about, you know, uh, what uh, Kendall Jenner, Kylie Jenner, whoever cares um how she was you know she's wearing dreads and what the dreads mean uh dreadlocks and what what they mean and all that stuff and how do we you know surprisingly they didn't hit anything about co- i don't think they really hit anything about like with college people like the kids do like obviously not doing blackface because that's just that is wrong but you know where they this you know about like the, taking people's culture you know like you know we get the white rapper and culture stuff like
0: that. Yeah. yeah um yeah, I, yeah, have you have you seen it, Corey? No, I. It, it's one of those things that I would like to see. It doesn't remind me as much from what I've, I've seen at the commercials, and and I think I skipped past it at one point because it was already in the middle of an episode. It doesn't remind me as much of the nightly show as it reminds me of several shows that they've tried with a similar format but about different subjects. Uh, it, kind of like the "Not Safe with Nikki Glaser," uh, yeah, and.
1: Except, except for and, not safe is just strictly sex stuff.
0: Right. That, that was her her thing. But uh, and there was the other one, the, the guy who used to date Amy Schumer, uh, Jordan something. I don't remember it, but he had he had a talk show. It seems like they have a comedian who's done a few things like it's known from being on their roasts or being a guest on at midnight. And they're like, OK, let's give him a pilot and give them a show where they can talk to people. It's, it's done on the cheap, and it's built around their comedy and their style. And then they just go ahead and they follow through with it. It's, it's harder to come up with a skit show because you have to have talented people like Dave Chappelle or uh, Key and Peel to make that work. But the, the shows where it's like, I'm a comedian, I've got comedian friends, and we all sit around and shoot the shit, and we talk about whatever my subject matter is that week. Uh, and sometimes we have porn actors act out the stuff. That seems like a very Comedy Central thing to do. It's like they're just yeah. gonna keep trying to until they can capture lightning again. Um And
1: and I would even say, and I'm gonna I am going to include the UK version of Comedy Central because they have a show over there that I think is is a fun show called the Chris Ramsey show that they could do over here, but it's that similar thing, but it's like them doing stuff around more around the internet. Um not in the at midnight sense, but in the like, you know, you take Not Safe and you do, and, and, you know, the Not Safe show and, um, Problematic and how they have these little, like, games and challenges and stuff like that. That, that I agree with you. Um, so far, Problematic, they've aired three episodes. Um, Islamophobia, um, was the latest one, Cultural Appropriation was the first one. And then, um, uh, what was it? it wasn't technophobia. It was, uh, um, are we too, too, and this is an interesting one with the, uh, how we are doing this, but um, are we it too much into tech? Are we too tech dependent on things? Um, and actually that one had Baratunde Thurston on there. And it was great seeing Baratunde on there. Um, but the show is, is really interesting. And I do enjoy the show Mainly for the fact of how the format is, where they talk about the show, um, like for example, the cultural appropriation show. They, they did. Moshe sat down with, um, I'm blanking on his name. He's a very early uh, rapper. Like he's one of the first white rappers, um, to you know be big. And he was talking about you know the whole cultural appropriation thing, like. Is he does does he feel like he is appropriating the the culture by being a rapper and also being white and Jewish? And he's like, Yes, but no, because yes, because I am a white man and I am Jewish, but no, because of the fact that of where I'm from. I'm from Brooklyn. I've you know I've lived these things out, and so I can not the Beastie Boys. Um, it was before the Beastie, I think he was in there before the Beastie Boys. Um, and the, and, you know, just talk about all these, like all these different things. And it, it, it brings better understanding to me for a lot of these subjects. Um, like, like Islamophobia, I knew that was a thing and uh, like, I'm not Islamophobic at all, but I mean, I understand where people are coming from, although I feel it's ridiculous. I enjoy the show that's what i'm getting at i think this is something that's interesting i do think you you're right where comedy central can do this do not safe with nikki glazer um
0: uh it was uh anthony jeselnik uh the jeselnik offensive is the other one i was thinking of
1: yeah um like these shows seem safer than a sketch show because a lot like you said i mean you know Keen peel was that the last uh sketch show that they had um and like even though i feel like they had some good some good comedians on there to do sketch shows um i'm looking at you know like mind of mencia was good um uh the dimitri martin one that he that they had was good it was just like maybe might have been too too early or something like that
0: I mean, that's exactly what it is, though, is that Comedy Central looks to comedians because that's who they've got relationships with. That's what their whole basis of their network is about. And they, they've had enough of them guests on, on different things there. And they say, pitch us a show. And yeah. so if, if your stuff leans more towards sketch comedy, then that's the kind of show you're going to pitch. If your stuff leans more towards conversational tone comedy, then that's where the the panelist, the punditry, is gonna make sense. And it that seems like where he would have landed. It, that's most of the stuff that I've seen him on. Is I haven't seen a lot of his stand up, but I've seen him guest on things and be funny, having conversational tones with people. He's just someone who's naturally funny and has smart opinions that he can express well. And that's yeah. what you need to know this and, kind
1: of show. And um beats mentioning hassan minaj should get a bigger shot and hassan was on the the islamophobia episode so my other nerding out that i have for you or else view um is a show on netflix called girl boss now this is based off of a book that is or based off of a memoir that it's like really loosely like based on the uh on that book or whatever but this stars Britt Robertson and it is about, it's set in like 2006, I think like the early two thousands. And um, it's about this girl who is working or actually no, no she's not really working, but she's tr- uh, trying to make it in San Francisco and she discovers eBay and online selling and becoming an online retailer. And quite literally hilarity ensues i usually say that to quit describing the show but no it is just hilarious stuff is ensuing um and this the uh like for example the first episode she sells this vintage jacket and this is when she realizes hey i think i could actually do this um second episode she injures herself you know stretching because she's a shorter girl trying to reach the top shelf where she's trying to get this peanut butter and pulls uh or gives herself a hernia and all that so she gets a job working at um the uh, academy of arts it, over there in san francisco basically as as a door person just like you know okay you got your ID. okay go 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 working with ne- uh, norm mcdonald who is great in this show um and it is such a small part that he has and She's only doing that to get insurance while she's also work, like expanding her line um, of clothes. The show, it's, I had seen some advertisements for it on Netflix, but it fell relatively under my radar. It is so good. It is so funny. And it is one of those where you could just sit there and probably binge through all 13 episodes. I think I'm on five, like four or five. I'm still fairly early on in there. But yeah, I... I really enjoy this. I think I think it'll fit in here with our our viewer base, um, and also it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, so I mean, come on, it's an easy pick.
0: Yeah, I've heard a little bit about it, and I've been seeing some some chatter about it online. I didn't realize that the the lead uh, Britt Robertson was the girl from Tomorrowland, which is a movie yep. that I really liked and uh, is another one that I wish would have done better uh, in the theater. And she was very good in that. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, Britt Robertson, she was uh, first, I think first came onto the scene really big with uh, Life Unexpected on the CW. Um, then went to Tomorrowland and had done a few other movies before getting this role. And, but yeah, I mean, and I will, I will warn these sensitive ears that there's a lot of swearing. Um especially from Brett robertson's character i mean it is just like some of the words i'm like all right if, if, if there's the, the episode of south park the, i've only seen like three episodes of south park one of them was the cursed words episode where they did a counter of the times that they said fuck yep this would blow that out of the water
0: <laughs> and was the it fuck or shit i thought it was the, they were cutting down shit
1: yeah it was shit they wanted to do fuck but i, I don't think the uh
0: uh, they weren't there yet. We weren't at the place where we could get away with that. But shit was some good times.
1: Yeah. Um But yeah, it was like, you know, you, you hear you get the amount of curse where just goes out. It's so it's if it gets it gets funny with how many times she ends up swearing. Where it's just like she runs out of gas. Oh fuck. She gets a ticket because um I guess in San Francisco you're supposed to you're supposed to turn your wheels towards the curb and she's like
0: yeah because if you slide down a hill you want to make sure that your car is gonna like not yeah. go straight down the hill well,
1: well hold on no hold on because i understand the logic but she goes are you fucking kidding me i'm not even on a hill <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah you just gotta always plan for it yeah because but no, it's, it, it's, it, we're also we're northern california we may shake apart at any point in time where it started as a as a flat surface when you're there can turn into a hill very quickly
1: <laughs> i wouldn't know i live in michigan uh but you no know, honestly those are those are two picks that i got for you guys um in lieu of Corey, um, not having anything although i will say um american gods episode two was really good um, I was actually talking about it with a friend because I'm like and I played the video that Beat posted on our Facebook uh, the Galactic Nightcast Facebook page of Neil Gaiman explaining American gods um while I was at work and I'm like it is so good um seeing uh Orlando, what is it, Orlando Jordan? What's the the played Mr. Nancy on here?
0: I don't know because I haven't seen episode two yet.
1: Oh Well, okay, <laughs> uh, um Ar- uh, Ar- Ar- Orlando Jones right, it is Orlando Ar- Jones. Jones. Yeah, Orlando Jones as Mr. Nancy, so good, and that's right there at the beginning. Um, but yeah, um, you know, what? fuck you. I wish I had a, a fake Guardians of the Galaxy two spoiler, spoiler but I don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that is the Else Views, and we will be right back.
0: Does the sound of the TARDIS get you all excited?
1: Are you a fan of the longest running science fiction show? Then for all your news and gossip check out Who Knew and Review. We're a podcast by Galactic Netcasts.
0: You can find us at gncasts.com TARDIS. Each week we will run through a collection of stories
1: from around the Hooniverse itself at gncasts.com com TARDIS. And we are back and it is time for the else words. This is our main discussion topic point of the evening. And ours, this is coming from i uh, IO nine. And that is Kevin Feige thinks that eventually Marvel TV and movies will cross over. And in no duh news. Um,
0: but, no, the well, person- but is it no done news? Because the reason why he has to say this now is that we've gone back and forth. The original yeah. implication was that all the Marvel stuff uh, from the cinematic universe and the TV universe was connected. And then slowly. We started seeing that that wasn't exactly the case. Now, the first indicators were in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where we would see movie things come and affect the show but we wouldn't see the show actually affect the films. Um, after the fact stuff of like, oh yeah, all those helicarriers that showed up at the end of age of Ultron. That's because Colson had them on ice and he had him ready for us and everything. We see that on the show, but we don't get any of that in the movie. Then um, I've, I've talked before about the comparison of Marvel to when they, when they got the ultraverse and ultraverse got kind of taken over by Marvel's reject characters for a while. Yeah. But then when they went back to the Marvel Universe, none of the Ultraverse shit got mentioned at all in the regular Marvel books uh, because you're the lesser than. And for the TV stuff, that's kind of how it's been treated it's the lesser than. Uh, so we see the Avengers Tower in the background in Daredevil and a couple of the other Netflix shows. But we're not hearing about the the devil of Hell's Kitchen in the Marvel movies at all so far. And they've yeah. said less and less likely that that's going to happen is like, oh, you're probably not going to see the defenders characters show up in the movies because it's hard to get them together to do these shows as it is. You know, these are not necessarily like huge movie stars, but they are certainly stars on the rise. And in between their Netflix obligations, they're probably going to have more stuff that they're going to get picked up on uh, going forward. And so to bring those contracts in, and if you want to get another season of daredevil, you may get that instead of seeing Daredevil show up in Avengers Infinity War. And there's been a breakdown in the relationship between the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Kevin Fahey and the TV stuff, which has been more in the hands of Jeff Loeb and under the control of Ike Perlmutter, who is not happy that he doesn't have full control of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, he feels like Fahey's gotten too much of that rested away. And that's why we have things like where the uh, Inhumans were at one point going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now they've been regulated. Well, they'll still get a film in IMAX before it appears, it's now going to be a TV series instead. So is there still going to be an Inhumans movie as well? Or is that something completely different? Or is that cut off? Uh, Because Marvel Comics has been pushing the Inhumans a lot but they couldn't quite make that work in the cinematic universe. And they probably just said, well, we don't really want them.
1: So I look at this in a, um, in a couple of different ways. And that's where can they tell the best stories? Like maybe with Daredevil, maybe, you know, with, with like Daredevil, Iron Fist, um, you know, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, the answer was TV, but not just TV, Netflix. And, you know, with, you know, Cap, Thor, uh, Captain Marvel, you know, the Guardians, that was in the movie theaters, you know, on, you know, with these, with movies. And so I think a lot of that is like, you know, the Inhumans are like, well, where can we get the better stories? And I don't think um. I, I think they went with the whole, you know, it might be better off as a TV show. We could probably tell more stories. We've been building it up, you know, in Agents of Shield, and we could get a crossover between the two, you know, it, it going on there.
0: Now, yeah, but uh, that's that's part of the, I think the problem though is when you look at it, do you want to introduce your second or third, in this case, ABC series? based off of what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing, which has been not great in the numbers consistently since the beginning, or would you rather it come directly from the Marvel movies? And yeah. unfortunately, they introduced elements of the Inhumans in the TV series, and I think that made it feel more like whatever happens with the Inhumans now has to happen from TV as opposed to the films. Yeah. And so they, they kind of put themselves into a box that they couldn't escape from.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, Topknot asks a question, which I'm going to answer the first part. The first part is no. Um. Are He asks, are they going to do a Daredevil movie, though, or is it going to matter to those of us who haven't watched that show? Basically, the answer is no, because they're not going to do a Daredevil movie. The rumors have always been, you know, with, with Infinity War, with it being so big that they would do... That this would be a a good part to bring in the at least the Marvel Netflix shows
0: uh, characters, but I think what what Top knot is is asking is because of the fact that you're looking at a different medium to to have to know these characters. If you if you see the movies and you go to the movies and you see these characters and stuff like that, and then you see the fucking films repeated ad nauseum on. Uh, TBS and TNT all the time because uh, they've been playing the shit out of them, which is fine because I like to rewatch them all the time. That doesn't right? necessarily mean yeah FX, sorry it, that doesn't actually mean that you're also necessarily subscribed to Netflix and familiar with that other portion of stories. So to say, yeah, uh, here's here's Daredevil and Jessica Jones and they all show up in Infinity war for a good part of the audience. They may not know who they are. And how do you establish them when you've already got so many other characters up on the screen taking up real estate? And already we're having an expectation that if you've seen... If you're watching Avengers 3, that you must have seen all the other Marvel movies that lead into that. If you're watching Avengers, you might have watched the Captain America, the Iron Man, the Thor stuff to get into the Avengers in the first place. But then it also presumes likely but not 100% that you recognize the guardians of the galaxy and and i don't and i I don't want to
1: you know say you know like dissuade you know top knot's question or his follow-up you know with with, basically saying what you're saying but at the same time it's one of those things where i if they were to like you know hypothetically bring in you know the defenders for infinity war and bring in the inhumans and maybe bring in you know col like actually uh, i would stay away from the agents of shield because that would they would need something
0: although but have- that's that's kind of the whole point too is that colson is the one entry point that makes sense from the tv yeah. stuff he's the one guy who 100% has been established in the films already and so to not be able to use him out of everybody else is is kind of a kick in the nads because but they would know him. You know, and it's it, it's been this constant thing of like, when are they gonna fucking tell Tony and Pepper that Colson's alive? You know, they
1: But here's here's here, here's here's honestly though the, the work around around it. The Sokovia Accords, something that happened because of one of the movies and but not but had more effect it seems like at least a little bit in the other in the other movies because what you do is oh it's it's the superhero registration act from the comic books so this is how they know because you know maria hill and nick fury they have a database on all these people that's how tony stark found out about a little kid over in queens that was building himself a suit and was going around swinging from building to building like his fucking tarzan and then found out that his aunt, who is way too young, sorry, side note, and um that he has the Hoth for, you know, exists, sort of deal. I don't like I could see it being possible. It wouldn't be a big plot point. If it if it ever were to be brought in, it would not be a big plot uh plot point because of the fact like like Top Not is saying, you know, there are people who only watch the movies and don't watch the shows. Or you know maybe they only watch you know the Daredevil Netflix show but they don't watch Luke Cage or Jessica Jones or Iron Fist or you know whatever. Um, but at that same time, <clears throat> excuse me, at that same time, it would be like it would it would be an Easter egg, you know, like seeing Stan Lee in in any fucking Marvel movie. That's right. out and there. As an,
0: but as an Easter egg, is that going to satisfy? the fans it's it's the lip service of the dc universe is is different in the films versus the dc universe in the tv series but it's a multiverse thing so absolutely they could cross over it'll never fucking happen it will never happen but the idea is like but but we could and the the promise is there that it absolutely so you just have to create this idea of of well they both exist and, and, and if we did a flash of, of fucking 19 worlds because he's already gone to so many other fucking Earths in the show, then certainly we could do this, but we never fucking will. And and the idea of the, the TV stuff affecting the movies is that, sure, we could have the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because S.H.I.E.L.D. has been a big part of multiple films so far, um, could have them show up, should have them show up but then we also have to take into account that the tv actors would then have to elevate to a level to match the gravitas of the actors in the movies and we are talking about some oscar winning actors in these movies compared to not really emmy winning actors in the show yeah and and
1: i i think we're getting at a point and i, I don't want this to sound like i'm picking on top knot but he he's asking you know like he's not asking for an exposition dump, but at least some, some information on who these people are, and I get that, um, and that's probably one of the reasons why it would be so hard to do a crossover, a big crossover between the the, like the movies and the TV, you know. I can tell you exactly
0: what they need to do. I can tell you exactly what they need to do. They need to approach it from a let's blow the budget, and do a. 90 minute made for TV, put out an ABC movie where they have one or two of the Avengers, the actual Avengers show up and have a team up with the agents of shield Mm -hmm. to establish a reconnection between those characters. Because people who would go see the movies would say, well, fuck yeah, I'm watching this show because goddamn Captain America shows up in it, you know, and it's not SIF. But it's, And it's not some other random fucking uh, Thor character. It's the goddamn Avengers themselves. It it could even be Hawkeye and Vision or something. Just fucking make that shit happen so that we get some establishment of the TV universe connecting to the the film universe, and then it puts it into the continuity again, and it opens up the door of them showing up in the movie next. And if they say, oh, well, I didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., All you have to do is watch this 90-minute movie. You can get it on DVD. You can stream it on ABC's fucking streaming channel. You can watch it on Netflix. It's available to you, but you have to get that out there soon. Yeah. Agent Carter got to be on her TV series and still show up in the films. But in the films, they don't reference the TV series. It's just kind of like it's bonus stuff, but they still let her exist in the movies at the same time. Um, so we we had that back and forth. If the series had lasted longer, we might have seen some stuff of like agent 13 when she was young, something that could have made the character feel more connected between the two. And she was our connection to shield at that point um, in the, in the future sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's doable. It's just, how do you do it in such a time frame when you've already got so much that you want to bring up on screen and, if, if we're talking about Avengers three and four, which is kind of what we're assuming is we have to establish a relationship between the guardians and the Avengers already. Yeah. And so to say, and then here's this third team and then here's the shield agents that you might not have met. It's a lot to put into what is, yeah, two blockbuster films, but that's just so much to do. And that's that's hard to write in and a believability and a and a buy in from the audience sense. Um, I would love it. I absolutely because that to me the interconnected universe is why I like Marvel comics. It's why I like DC comics. It's all these characters exist in the same world and that they can cross over. But I'm also sick as shit of the always having to cross over and I can't just buy one book and enjoy it for itself. I have to read fucking secret empire and all of its spinoffs to know what's going on with the character that I want to actually collect. Um, I don't want to see the films do that, but they kind of already have because it's not like there's just a trilogy of iron man. And it's not like there's just a trilogy of captain America. There are 20 fucking Marvel films already and it's just going to keep going from there. And unlike Star Wars, which I think once it gets past its trilogy and these interstitial movies that are happening right now, is eventually it's going to start doing new stories with new characters. Um, Marvel be. is certainly introducing new characters into their overall universe, but they're still having those characters intersect by way of power gems with the rest of the Marvel characters. So it's like, well, if I'm just into Doctor Strange, can I just walk doc- watch Doctor Strange? Well, today, mostly, but a year from now, no. Uh, and, if I just like that's... the heist film aspect of Ant-Man, can I just watch Ant-Man and, and Wasp? Well, not really, because I'm pretty sure there's going to be some references to what happened in Civil War in the next Ant-Man, because he's kind of on the fucking run, and you're going to have to have seen that. It's, it's a huge thing. It's a huge undertaking, and I appreciate it. Because I am the geek fan who loves that. Yeah. But that is a huge thing to ask of the non-geek super geek fan who and, doesn't and watch all the shows at the same time.
1: And, and and that's where like like I'm I'm seeing in the chat uh beat and uh top knot, you know, going back and forth on this stuff a little bit. And where I get the whole, you know, beat beat brought up the point of well, Black Panther was intro or Black Panther's introduction didn't pose the huge drawback in avengers 2 um and then top Not goes well nope there's a hint that his story would be expanded on a, at a later time and th- i think that's going to be have to be part of it is if if they were to introduce anyone whether it be you know phil colson you know uh, the guardians they would probably have to do some expanding on like how how do they get brought in because i can see how they bring in any of these groups besides the guardians. Like the guardians, the guardians, I could see if they were doing, if they had a scene that set them up of like, like, okay, uh, Drax gets some word that Thanos is here. All right. We're going here because I must kill Thanos and Gamora. Same thing with Gamora and, uh, and that's uh, just it. They
0: They introduced Drax and, uh, Gamora's relationships to Thanos in the very first Guardians film. We yeah. got more of Thanos in Guardians than we have in any other, other movie so far. So that does kind of give you the reasoning. And we know Thanos oh, yeah. has had his hands in the Avengers plots since the end of the first Avengers movie. And that, that's,
1: that works. But here's, here's, here's I guess here's the part I'm getting at with why I think we could still see this. Look at Civil War. How did we get how did we get Spider-Man? How did we get Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to begin with? Because Tony Stark
0: heard of a kid. Which then says, well, then why would Tony Stark of all people who hacks the shit out of Shields files not know about all the agents of Shields characters, including the fact that Colson's alive?
1: maybe he's holding on to it for a time he needs it.
0: I'm, I'm sure when the moment comes when Colson shows up on the screen that Tony's going to be like, yeah, I knew that. Uh, because yeah. he is, he's always got to be the smartest man in the room and he likes to one-up uh, Cap as much as he possibly can. But the same reaction is then, well, then it kind of defeats some of what we want to see from that happening. And what does Colson and the team bring to it at that point? What what do all these characters bring that we don't already have? When you look at the power sets alone of the Defenders, like it's, yeah, in some ways they're more powerful than a couple of the Avengers, sure, but they don't have the experience. They don't have the, uh, the cool gadgets and the, the fucking paychecks that go along with it. So what do they bring to the movie that we're missing? Yeah.
1: I'm and hard, then they I'm have missing. to go
0: back to their TV universe and exist there again and not be like oh shit you know what um i got i got some hefty stuff going on over here where i could really use a little bit more of a powerhouse to join up with me uh, can i borrow one of you avengers no you're not taking my calls right now okay fuck you
1: and so this and the, i think we're getting to more of why it won't won't why it won't happen
0: um, right. And, and we haven't even taken into account some of the new shows that are still coming out, like Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. And how tied in are they to these other shows uh, being on completely different networks yet again? Uh, do they get to reference or the new- Avengers or Defenders or S.H.I.E.L.D. or yeah. any of that stuff? Um, or is that flavoring that they're going to leave out of these? I, I, I've always been kind of a too much happens in New York for my fucking tastes in the Marvel Universe. It's like Uh you can't have that many superheroes hanging out in New York because literally they're going to be bumping into each other all the fucking time. Uh, But that is what the universe has always been established as. I like the idea of there are characters that exist in this world that are obviously, if superheroes are part of the fucking palette, then there are superheroes that are going to exist that aren't. Avengers that aren't defenders that aren't hanging out with Dr. Strange's at his sanctum Santorum and all these things. But then you go and you ruin that by saying, well, for the next couple of years, all the new superheroes that come out, it's because of the fucking Terrigen mists. Um, So here's our cool Miss Marvel character. And here's our kid Kaiju. And here's moon girl. And uh, it all ties into the inhumans. For some reason, we can't give them their own actual identities. Uh, And then we're going to team up. Time displaced Cyclops with vision's daughter and and uh, Amadeus show Hulk and all these things that again, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you just see it. It's how much how much of this is just kind of forced because you have a, another team' name that you want to use and you need to fill up that book with characters. That's why I like books like the Runaways. That's why I like things where they get to do their own stuff, even a legacy book. Like Young Avengers was still, these were kids who kind of met and knew each other and gathered on their own, but they weren't gathered by by the other people. It was something that they decided to do, and it feels a little bit more intimate and, and almost yeah. more realistic than that.
1: And I think Topnot's got a pretty interesting question here that we might, um, might have to, that we probably should answer. Um, are they going to decide that there's an end to the story, or are they just going to let it expand and um, infinituate like the comics do? I mean, because that's always turned out well for comics. Is his uh, statement on that? I would honestly like. Yes, the world will exist where yes, there will be a backstory. Um, because it's it's always seemed easy for me. Um. And fuck you, Beatmaster. I did get the the 21 or two thousand one reference. Um sorry, this is quickly falling out of hand. Um but where you know where I know and a lot of people who read comic books understand there's 75, 80 years of history when it comes to um when it comes to the big two, when it comes to Marvel or DC. Um, you know, looking at we just had free comic book day the backup story for their secret wars free comic book day was the amazing or the, what was it? Uh, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man written by Chip Zdarsky. And they introduce a new trickster. Now i I missed that part. I didn't get to that part, but, or, or not trickster trapster. And there's a part of are Like, wait, like, is it trapster? Like you take off the E and all that stuff. And like, like you're the new hipster trapster sort of thing. And it's one of those things like you can continue on ag- while acknowledging history but not having to wrap up anything. I think, you know, Avengers 3 and 4 are is going to be that, you know, it's going to end part one, like book one of this. And then we're going to start book two where we might get other characters that, you know, wouldn't necessarily be, you know, the prime you know, Avengers. This is where we get into, like, you, where we get to these some of these characters where, like, they were an Avenger? It's like, hells yeah, they were an Avenger.
0: Well, I mean, so that, what you're describing in a comic book sense works or has worked. It, and there's a lot of arguments against that because look at how many times DC has rebooted their universe to explain how uh, Superman can still be 30 years old 80 years later, you can't do that to the same degree in movies without replacing actors, uh, because some of these people are in their fifties. And the other question about that then is how interested am I in a Marvel universe where I don't have Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark. And Mm -hmm. when I don't have Chris Evans and Captain America, how interested do I remain And, and, and does the Avengers just a name get to go on or are the Avengers, the characters that we've kind of seen in that team and then, uh, the Dr. Strange and the Captain Marvel and these other characters that they're going to be introducing, do they have to form some other group? That's, that's kind of the question is, is at some point Comics we've developed the ability to accept that it's an ongoing drama that never ends like a a daytime soap opera. But even on daytime soap operas, your Robert Scorpios and your, your Anna and Duke and Felicia and Frisco and all those characters have to leave because the actors can't play them anymore realistically, or we've moved on and we've developed other things have come in and taken over and, and it's the universe that exists, but the characters and the people come and go. Yeah. But when the characters and the people are so inherent to the joy that we get from watching these movies, is that it is like there's a swelling of it. We can't just like say at some point, well, uh, so everybody moves to another earth. And on that earth, we get a new Tony Stark, and we get a new Steve Rogers, and we get a new that that doesn't quite have the same thing. So in, in Top Knot's statement, I kind of do think. In, in, in many ways, they talk about Avengers 4 being kind of a final note for the characters that they've existed. It's just then, but we already know that there's so much more that's still going to happen. And if the stuff with Black Panther happens post this, and we know that Winter Soldier is hanging out with Black Panther, then we get more Winter Soldier, but then we don't get a closure on Winter Soldier and Cap if Cap's gone. You know, and and there's characters that I haven't spent enough time with. I want way more Falcon than I've been given. But I want Falcon and Cap. You know, I love that pairing and I want to see that continue. And so, yeah, fucking re-up Chris Evans' contract, guys. But it, it is a point of like, but how far can they go? And how far can they keep going? Comics and films can't play by the same rules. Cartoons can. But live-action films, it's something else. And I'm not prepared. As, as much as I've accepted Don Cheadle replacing uh, Terrence... Uh, whatever his name is, Terrence unfortunately. Howard with, uh, Terrence Howard as, as War Machine in the first one. I'm, I can live with that uh, because he wasn't even a primary character in that one. But I'm not prepared to see Tony Stark be played by somebody else. I'm not prepared and, and to see Thor be played by somebody else.
1: I think that's. Bear with me on this. I think that's where we're going to have to get to do a clever comic book trope. We are in the middle of it with uh, quite a few of the characters right now. Tony Stark is dead in the comics. Well, dead. I'm using air quotes in there because he's like in this vegetative state but is now his is now an AI sort of thing where we now have Ironheart um, you look at Captain America you know Steve Rogers just what two three years ago he was an old man because he sacrificed the super soldier serum that kept him young and fit and looking like the buff Chris Evans is now and not the what hundred and some odd year old man that he would be from being born and fought in World War Two, um, You use, you, you go of one of two ways. Either you kill off the character, like you kill to where the actor has that wrap up because, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. is in his fifties and all that. And then you go, you know, you, you bring in a, a legacy character. So you bring in a James Rhodes as Iron Man or, you know, like, um the patriots or i'm trying to think of uh, or like nomad or whoever to take over cap america for a little bit because there have been other people other than falcon and bucky to be captain america and then oh hey we found we found cap again and it's not chris evans and yes there will be outlet backlash and all that stuff but i look at this as like as a wrestling fan You can't have wrestlers wrestling all the time even though they're older because otherwise you're going to get people like uh, Big Bad Vader who just want to die in the ring, it seems like.
0: you know. Now, here's here's one I'm going to point out. It was just a few weeks ago that we had the story where Marvel determined that a lot of these legacy characters and a lot of the changes from the original characters that people already loved to these other new versions of those characters – they felt was being looked at as part of the reason why their numbers are struggling right now. And they're trying to get back to their classics again. Uh, I, I love legacy characters when the legacy characters actually get to perform on their legacy. But I also like new characters a little bit more because new characters get to be their own thing. They're never considered the B team. They're never considered the also rans. They're never considered the, the runner up. And that's, really conceptually what a problem is going to be for fans is i don't want tony stark's brother i don't want steve rogers' uh clone i want the people who that's my cap that's my han solo you know that to me is is going to be something that can backfire very quickly Um, And you're much better off, and I'm glad that Marvel is doing this, you're much better off introducing other characters and giving them their own franchises uh, like the Black Panther and Captain Marvel than introducing the new Cap. I don't want a new Cap. Not just because Cap is my favorite character in the Marvel universe, but because I don't want Falcon to be Cap. I want Falcon to be Falcon because I think Falcon is himself super fucking cool and one and, of my favorite I at, characters I, I look at this as
1: one of two ways i look at this as either it's gonna to have to be sort of something like my way where we bring in either we bring in legacy characters for a little bit and then do a soft reboot with new actors playing captain america and iron man and all these other guys because Robert downey Jr. is in a wheelchair and he's up for the role of professor xavier or we do the spider-man amazing spider-man thing where after three years we're like okay and that's a wrap folks and we bring we do a new casting for these people three four years later where it could be you know maybe 10 15 years later if we do the legacy stuff right um and then we're just telling the same stories that's the that's the thing that i think a lot of people don't realize is they look at the actors and like oh it's the actor who makes the character i'm like for the movies, yes, but if you can find someone out there who can do just as good of a performance or bring something different to the character, um, then you then you can get more stuff out of this. Because also keep in mind, there is eighty years of material that they can pull from. They have barely scratched the surface of stories that they could pull from the comics.
0: Yeah, but and- if you look at the comics, they're repeating stories there. Well, true, true,
1: but still. <laughs> so even then, with the repeats, I, you would probably say what? 60 years of stories there. And, 60- and not all those
0: stories were gold either. You know, I don't necessarily think I ever need to see Werewolf Captain America happen in the films. Uh, I don't think I need to see Tony Stark get killed and then come back as a teenager uh in in the films i don't think i need to see thor get replaced by beta ray no fuck yeah i do yeah i'll, I'll watch a beta ray bill film fuck yeah i will
1: oh hell yeah but but the point i'm making with this though is is mm. only in a guardians
0: movie absolutely
1: yeah i the the point i am making with this is you can't Like, like they told, they've told the Civil War story. They're, they've told the origins of and the culmination of the Avengers story. They've told all these stories that have happened in comic books.
0: Ain't told the goddamn Black Widow story.
1: True, but you know, hashtag feminism. You know, insert another hashtag here. Like I'm John Oliver. Um, and it's it's one of those things. Like there's. When they're taking a risk, and I'm going to call it a risk, and I am a member of the Carol Corps, so you know, sit down, shut up for a second. By going with, Cap- with Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, a character who has only been Captain Marvel for like five years, that to me is more, is more riskier than doing Captain America or doing any of these other things and, and all that. You know, even doing Deadpool, because they have more things that you could pull from. With this, it's getting more into Hellboy territory where I wouldn't be surprised if they had, if, if we see news of Kelly Sue ghost wrote some of the stories. Because of the fact that, you know, she's the one who really helped this character explode and become the, the phenomenon that she is.
0: Well, but you're discounting how much of Carol was written before she was Captain Marvel. Not
1: really, not really, because I mean, yes, you could pull some some stuff from that, but a lot of that stuff is tied in with franchises that are in other wheelhouses.
0: Well, not Um, necessarily, because Miss Marvel, the original character, was tied into Marvel, which is not part of any other franchise, and which they're probably going to use to establish some of her origin in this. Now, when you get to when she becomes binary, you can do the binary stuff without involving the X-Men. And yeah. everything else that she did post that was still Avengers related. You know, as Miss Marvel, uh, as Warbird, there's still a lot of things that you can utilize her for. And you can put her into Thunderbolts. Uh, you can involve a lot of that stuff. It's just the question of, are these things going to exist in a way that is going to be a suitable replacement for what people already have and expect from their Avengers movies uh, or are they going to be the new Avengers, which is a perfectly reasonable title to kick it over from the comics to the films. But I wonder if people are going to be as accepting of that, not because of gender, not because of race, but because we love our Avengers. We absolutely love our Avengers. We love our Tony Stark. We love our, our Steve cap. We love all these characters already losing them is going to be hard. It's like losing your cat. You know, my cat is nineteen years old. I know he's not going to be around forever, and I know that it's important for me to be prepared. One, for him to go, but two, to find love again with my next cat. I'm sorry, but I can handle. But it's the truth. It's the reality. And so, in the way of the Avengers, it's like, okay, yeah, the Avengers themselves are probably going to go at some Mm -hmm. point, whenever that is. If it's not in Avengers four. We know it's going to happen eventually. How quickly will I be ready to love the next Avengers? You know, it's the same thing we were talking about with the Game of Thrones spinoffs. It's like once I'm done with Game of Thrones, am I then ready to jump into the next Game of Thrones spinoff or do I need to back away for a while? Yeah, this
1: and this is something that is interesting because you just you reminded me of a point. You're talking to a person who his first comic book character that he loved was Spider-Man. I had to watch them reboots. Turn around and I said it as a Spider-Man fan, they rebooted Amazing Spider-Man way too soon. I got burned. And yeah, I I did I I loved every single Spider-Man movie that has come out so far. You know, And I'm pretty sure I will love Homecoming. But I look at all this stuff and I go, it seems way too quick. This is why I think I pitched the bring in a legacy character, you know, bring in, um, you know, uh, bring in a bring in an Ironheart to, uh, you know, take over for Iron Man for a little while before, you know we secretly recast him but you know then bring in you know new iron man you know hey look it's tony stark and and not address it or whatever but i don't know i don't i don't
0: when we look at examples like that i mean one what you're talking about with spider-man is itself part of the problem because they they did the sam raimi ones and then very quickly after they rebooted and they started doing the amazing spider-man series and then after the second one of that they realized that that wasn't working either I think the only saving grace for what they're doing right now is the fact that they have the tie into the Marvel Universe. They established mm-hmm. him with a connection to them with uh, Captain America Civil War and involving Tony uh, as Iron Man in the, the new Spider-Man movie. I think that is something that was very well thought out and planned and paid for and is going to give them a return that they would not otherwise get if they were just going to give us a third try at Spider-Man without mm-hmm. that. I think people would be... Not anxious to go see that movie again. Um, The other way of looking at it is what the X-Men have done, which is they time hopped and they went backwards and they put younger actors in the role by going back in time. But as you and I have watched these other films um, where they've done that and then they're they're making the jump forward every 10 years uh, to the next decade of it our reactions have not been great. My reactions to those films have not been great at all. Uh, The last two X-Men movies to me have been almost unwatchable, and it's not because the actors aren't good, and it's not because I have such a huge problem with them replacing characters, but just the delivery of, like, we fucked up the X-Men so much, and even going back in time to correct everything, we still can't make any goddamn sense out of it. It plays off as a stupid fucking idea, and this is something that, I mean, the comic books, they do all the goddamn time because in comic mm-hmm. books, there's a different buy in than there is in movies. And so yeah. what Marvel has been good about is taking the the base core ideas and the best parts of the comics and then making something that still feels real and grounded in the films. And I'm sure I'm sure that Figgy and and the team that are working on these movies have plans in place for this. They know he himself is going to hit his end game with like how much he's going to be working on these Marvel movies because at some point he's going to want to retire because I'm sure he's super fucking rich and can buy Australia. Um kick down I like Australia. Invite me over sometime. I'll watch all your goddamn movies with you. I just know that yes, there's there's probably something in place to where they're going to get to we know the cash cow has done all it can do for us. And here's where we, we close it and we give over the keys to somebody else and say, now you make your Marvel universe. Um, when we're going to get there, because as we go along, we keep establishing new things that are interesting, but those new things still kind of hold hands with the part that we love. That was our entry point in, you know, it, it's all tied to, to Tony Stark from the very beginning. And, you know, you know, Samuel Jackson is Nick Fury and all these things. And so it's going to be hard when those portions of it that were the entire foundation for this beautiful thing that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, when that kind of breaks down, you know, it's going to be hard to accept that and still feel the same joy when I go into these movies. Because right now I go into these things and I'm like, Ant-Man, cool. Sure oh, my God, but look at how Ant-Man interacts with everything else. You know, look how Ant-Man has ties into S.H.I.E.L.D. and what happened to S.H.I.E.L.D. and how it ties into these other things. Like, that's even cooler. And Doctor Strange, cool. And, oh, what's that, Doctor Strange? There's a fucking power gem here? Of course there is, because the power gems are what this whole fucking thing's about right now. But that's going to disappear, because mm. we're going to fight Thanos. We're going to we're gonna deal with the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Gems. So what is then the tying factor and what's going to tie the audience to these other characters at that point? Is it just going to be because, well, I saw black Panther and I thought he was neat. And so I'll keep watching black Panther, even though there's not this other portion of it that it all goes into again. That's, that's a big question. It's a big risk to kind of like look to pay off. On the other hand, I don't know that I'll ever get sick of seeing the guardians of the galaxy crew and and all the stuff they're doing and i don't know that i'll ever get sick of seeing the marvel films as they are established right now because they are so consistently good they're not always great but they are always good they are always enjoyable at this point so i'm not trying to to downplay what what they're doing and where they're gonna go because at this point i can't not have faith in them but it begs a lot of questions Yeah, And that's why it's up to you to smarter people than me.
1: Mm -hmm. Same here. Same here. I, like, like I said in the, in the chat and this is, I hate to say this, but I think this is the most people we've had live watching us and it feels weird. It, it it honestly feels (laughs) weird that there's, especially people we know, like, you know, I think there's only like two people that I don't, I might not know. And even then I could know them I'm like, oh, hey, sorry. I feel like an asshole now. Um,
0: I but- feel like an asshole all the time with all the people yeah. I know.
1: Yeah, true. True. I mean, same here. Um, but it's it's one of these things like I, I think this might be where we end because all I'm going to say would probably be repeating stuff I've already said and I hate repeating myself. I hate repeating myself. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I, I leave this to you guys um, listening at home and – um, you know, what do you, th- uh, what do you think should happen with the Marvel universe? You know, after Avengers four, you know, once this is all done, should they do recasting? Should they do, you know, just bring in different characters. Um, let us know. You, you can let us know by contacting us by our email at mail at or you can leave us a voicemail at 805-328-3966. We will probably play that at the end of the show. Uh, yeah. The it- next-
0: In both cases, you should let us know if you're okay with having your email read or your voicemail played on the air. Um, We don't often think of that ahead of time, and I want to make sure that you're cool with it before we we go and put you out. But we'd love to to get this back on To
1: use the whole Marvel Comics thing, please put okay to print in the subject line. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You can find all of our subscription options and links over at gncast.com slash subscribe. And you can find our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Galactic Netcasts. You can follow the show and the network on Twitter at EltsNerds and at Galactic Netcasts. You could follow the producers of the show. Beatmaster is over is at, on Twitter at Beatmaster80. Um, and Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I am at that. Gregor, Corey, where can they find you? And also watching us right now, Levi Krause's work.
0: Um, let's see. So I... Help publish uh, online at donaskcomics.com, which is funny because it's also kind of a shared universe and has been going on for about twenty or so years, and uh, we have a different plan, which is we only draw and put out comics once every fucking blue moon. So that makes it always feel fresh. Uh, but you can check out the the comics that I've either helped write like Ballyar or all the stuff that Levi has done like spells, Levi's world strobe and shock and so on at donuts And we appreciate you checking us out.
1: And the final thing to be said is this has been a don't tell Glenn production and we will see you guys next week or else. We will spoil guardians of the galaxy volume two.
0: God damn it. Please don't. (laughs) This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNcast.com. That's GNcast.com.